Welcome to the Parent Matters Podcast, where we help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenting and equip you with tools to confidently parent your children. I'm Susan Stutzman, and today we're going to tackle raising secure children. Here to help me provide tips for parents is Dr. Neil Boris, a member of the leadership team at Circle of Security International. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hey, thanks, Susan. I'm really pleased to be with you. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're joining me today, um, specifically because I am very excited about Circle of Security and what you guys are doing there. But before we jump in and talking about some tips on raising secure children, um, I wondered if you could just share with my listeners a little bit about yourself and your life's work and your role at Circle of Security International. I'd be happy to do that, Susan. Boy, summarizing a life's work, though, in short, is never easy. But I came up through the field of medicine. I'm a doctor and have always been interested in children, even before I went to medical school. And somewhere as I began to move out of the basic science of medical school and really get into the helping people side of Mm. things, I got fascinated with mental health and particularly with children and mental health issues. So I'm a child psychiatrist. And as time went on, Susan, I actually even specialized further to be an infant psychiatrist, which tends to make people feel like something must be weird going on. (laughs) Um, But I was always interested in very young children and the development of young children. And so that's been a passion that's been part of my career for many, many years. Wow. That's, that is, that's fascinating. And I didn't realize that I, I'm a really, um, last year I bought all of the, all volumes written by and compiled by Alan Shore. Sure. And I, because my, one of my clinicians is going through, well, it wasn't because of this, but because I've, I have been working specifically on doing, um, sensory motor psychotherapy mm-hmm. yeah. work and, um, and just, I have also been encouraged to be thinking about infant mental health because one of my clinicians is, um, nearing the end of her infant mental health certificate Oh, nice at Erickson. At Erickson. And, um, yeah. And so, um, You know, I've been thinking about Circle of Security and the work that you guys do there for a while. And I have just recently been reading through the book, um, the Circle of Security book on raising secure children. And (laughs) I feel like it could be a really helpful thing if we chatted through um, just based off of your knowledge and things that you um, know. um, What do you think? are some really important tips for parents to know about raising secure children. Yeah. Well, let me start, Susan, by saying that one of the first things parents can do is leave parental guilt at the door because truthfully, so many parents worry that somehow they need to be perfect parents for their kids. And so both in the Raising a Secure Child book that you talked about, and in our circle security parenting groups that we do with parents, one of the first things we say is, hey, there is no perfect parent. 
And if you're feeling stressed about things that have happened in your relationship with your child, that's fine. That's reasonable. Many parents do. But staying in blame doesn't help you learn new ways of being. So you've got to kind of get yourself up and out of that trap mm-hmm. and then be willing to learn a little bit about what attachment is and why it might be important for you and your children. Yeah. So that's where I'd start. No, that's great. So, um, you know, in a, maybe in some practical ways, um, what yeah. would you say for parents of children um, ages, let's just break it down. Like since you're doing, since you are specifically um, working with families um, right. with younger children, right. um, do you classify just so that our list, my listeners can um, understand and, and I can ask appropriate questions. Do you classify infant mental health as um, zero to two? Do you classify it zero to three, zero to five? What's your, <laughs> Yeah, I like zero to a hundred uh, years. That is, because <laughs> the truth be told, look, infancy is a beginning of a long life course, and one of the things that John Bowlby, who wrote the original books on attachment, said is, "Look, this attachment system, which we humans have, just as." primates, and it turns out many other species also have, this thing functions throughout life. So I'll say I tend to define infant mental health as zero to five, Mm -hmm. uh, the extended version. But really, I define attachment as a lifelong entity. It's part of us. And One way we know it's part of us, Susan, is that we as adults who are often the caregivers for infants, we have very strong connections to the children in our lives. And that's our attachment system right there. Mm -hmm. So it's not just relevant to babies. It's really relevant across time developmentally. Okay. So now that we've cleared that up, Can you offer some tips to caregivers or parents that are um, trying to raise children in that zero to five uh, versus five to 10 or five to 12? Um, I know the development of children and their stages is very different from zero to five. But like, what would be something, maybe a practical example of how parents can begin to help their children feel secure, feel safe, even if they are physically, right? How can we help them um, in mental security or when they're physically secure? Yeah, it's a great question, Susan. And I'm going to answer it by just trying to paint a quick picture about what the circle of security even means. Okay. Give me a minute to just do that. All right. And again, this comes from study of attachment science. And there's been now since the 1950s, right, decades of study about how attachment functions in humans and other species. So that's pretty cool. We know a lot about it. What's strange, though, and we use the term in our intervention, hidden in plain sight, 
is that for many parents, they may even have heard the word attachment, but functionally, what does it mean like in the day to day? Like mm-hmm. it sounds like a fancy word, and it sounds like it's probably important to have your kids attached to you. But like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that it took me many years to get that clear in my own head, right? Yeah. Well, from a simple perspective, we like to think of it in in three sections that attachment has three parts to it. Um, one part is the hands, which is the caregiver. Whoever is mom, dad, grandma, whoever is in the day-to-day, there for each child, the two-year-old, the 10-year-old, helping them develop confidence, curiosity, regulation of emotions, and all the things that most parents worry about, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So one big player is us, the hands on the circle. Okay. Our children, interestingly enough, Susan, we think of as functioning in two ways. One way is going out into the world to explore. And even in the first months of life, babies are very curious about the world around them, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So they may not be able to even go anywhere. Literally, they can't crawl yet, right? Mm-hmm. But boy, are they taking in their environment, yeah. searching it with their eyes, responding to sounds, and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's the top half of this circle is exploration. Okay. The bottom half of the circle is coming back in to the caregiver. And anybody who's been around young children, even at the playground, will watch them go out and try something new. And then if they're tired, cranky, or if they got hurt or distressed, they're going to turn around and come right back in to the hands, to the caregiver, Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm upset, or I skin my knee, or whatever, right? Or just look at how much I can climb, right? Mm -hmm. So the top half is out exploring, and the bottom half of the circle is coming into the caregiver. Mm. And then it's about the caregiver just noticing that happen in life. Mm. That's attachment in its simplest, clearest form. Right. And just for our listeners, um, so that they can kind of get this if they're as they're listening um if you go to the link that will be below this video we'll attach that a picture um from circle of security of those hands the um exploration and then the coming back so you can kind of visualize what neil's saying that's awesome (laughs) and when you look at that picture you'll see some interesting words on there and These come right again from the writings of the folks who laid out attachment theory. So Mm -hmm. we as the caregivers are the secure base from which our children go out to explore. And our job is also to be the safe haven that they return to on the bottom of the circle when they need something. Mm And so what's interesting about different ages and stages, Susan, as you were talking about, is that exploration changes. A three-year-old only goes so far, right, Mm -hmm. out in the world. Whereas a 17-year-old, I have a 17-year-old daughter, 
who drives off to high school every morning, right? Mm-hmm. Out quite a bit further if we think about it on right. the circle. But she's still on the circle. She's still going out. She's still coming in. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that with healthy attachment or healthy yeah. relationships, yeah. Um, that we, if zero to a hundred is yeah. the, you know, is, is considered infancy in some context, then we, in, re- in healthy relationships, we will be seeing that pattern. That's right. Okay. The pattern is there. And again, I'm not saying infant mental health is zero to hundred. I'm saying the attachment system is with us throughout our lifespan. Mm-hmm. And of yes. course, that's not my opinion, but lots of folks have really studied how that works, right? Yes. And so it's easy to imagine a three-year-old in a um, group setting, let's say at a playground, going out and coming back. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's also easy to imagine our children going off to college and then returning to us when they're stressed, distressed, uh, excited about something they want to share, whatever yeah. it would be, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's great. So, how can um, our the parents that are listening or the caregivers that are listening, how can they um, strengthen their role right. um, as that secure base or those yeah. hands, yeah. Um, so that they can provide that security for their children? as they're exploring in life and then returning home with questions. Love it. It's a great and really important question, right? This is what most parents want to know. That diagram, Susan, makes it clear that as kids go out to explore, they have some needs. And we list those right on that picture. There are only four of them on the top half of exploring. Um, And I'll list them off for your listeners now. The first one is watch over me. Again, Mm. say we're at a playground and our child is out exploring, meeting a new peer. They're Mm. climbing the monkey bars together. Mm -hmm. What they really want to know is, hey, do you see me? Here I am. Mm. Um, And all, all a parent needs to do is to sort of recognize their kid in the moment, right? Mm hmm. So often, children also want something we call enjoy with me, which is, you know, and again, uh, I remember my kids on the playground always trying to show me how fast they were climbing or mm. what have you. Yeah. And that's just about enjoying with them in the moment. And then the third thing on the top app is to help me, right? Let's say I get stuck on the monkey bars and I yeah. don't know get down. Well, then the parent has to kind of spring into action and be that helper as needed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally, the top half need is delight in me because the joy that we share with our children really promotes confidence and curiosity. So mm-hmm. just delighting in our kids. So in a sense, we lay out for parents using this simple diagram well, what are the needs as children go out to explore? And then what are the needs as they come back in? Yeah. So I'm curious if you're, um, if, if you're, you know, dealing with children that are younger, um, this can look, uh, it can be 
in my um in my perspective in my perspective i would say it's my yeah. opinion right um, yeah. that it could be a little bit different a lot different um perhaps uh in in ways such as um when you know your child's maybe one two three they don't necessarily have that um those uh things like social media or um you know interactions uh with peers that are like a what a child may encounter in six i would say at age six at age eight at age 10 so you know, I'm curious as a um, clinician, but also as a parent, what you would, um, how you would maybe talk to a parent that is thinking about um, how to watch over their child yeah. and to play with them, especially as children get more and more um, into the media realm of going out right? Sure. Before yeah. they return in. And how do we do that as parents in a healthy way? Yeah, it's a it's a really important question for our age, especially, Susan, right? And, and we can talk about it in many different ways. But one way is to talk about what is watching over your children as they interact through electronics with the wider world, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, great organizations like the American Academy of Pediatrics have some really helpful guidelines for parents with regard to limiting the amount of time that children are on devices, assuring yourself that they are interacting with the world in a safe way, right, through safe means, online means, and so on. And... Um, this is not a circle of security opinion. I think that's really important part of parenting in this day and age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I, go ahead. If we think about the 1800s, right? Parents had to be also quite careful about children's environments, right? Um, and so having a child explore on the streets of a busy city was dangerous as anything. And so literally letting your child's hand go uh, at certain points when you're exploring the world around you is probably not a good idea. You've got to hold their hand and make sure they're right next to you. So I think across time, parents have had to make these difficult decisions about how do I let my child explore? How do I judge what's safe for them? But that's part of the caregiving role, and it always has been. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not easy being a parent. It's not easy figuring out how to do this. Um, and I know that circle of security, um, which you are the board on the board of directors for, yeah. um, has done a really great job in helping parents to think through how to do this, um, yeah in different ways, but it doesn't mean that it answers every single specific question. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it can, and it can be tricky. Um, but I think it's, I think that's a really helpful, um, thing for not only my listeners, but also for me to consider is, um, you know, the best way it sounds like what you're saying is, 
uh, for parents or caregivers to raise secure children is to realize their role. That's right. That they are those hands, that they are that secure base. And even if they don't get it right every time, um, yeah. I know in the attachment literature, there's a lot about rupture and repair, right? It's That's more right. about repairing than yes. actually getting it right every time, but right. noticing, right? Like what your child needs at different times, when the circle's getting wider, when it might be getting smaller. I know when yeah. there's like hard things that happen or, um, yeah. you know, heavy family issues that come up, sometimes the circle gets smaller and it's okay. You know, That's the kids might need more of uh, coming home or coming more on the bottom. That's right. Yeah. And, and just as with the top half, Susan, we try to keep it simple for parents and say, there are four basic needs on the bottom half of the circle. So a child may come in for protection, mm-hmm. for comforting, to have their feelings organized, or once again, for that ever important delight. So the delight in me moments. Mm -hmm. So delight lives on the top and the bottom of the circle because children really do need that in their lives, Mm -hmm. but they need comfort, protection, and having their feelings organized often as well. And so helping parents think, oh, I have a job on the top half and I have a job as they come in on the bottom half takes this whole where is attachment and what does it look like and makes it very practical for parents. And I think that's helpful. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate what you said about helping to organize a child's feelings when they're coming back. And I think that one of the things that I specifically am hearing, and I'll just clarify this with you is that like in, in a really um, meaningful and non-shaming way, it's important for parents to look at how they organize their own feelings because as children grow and their feelings get bigger or more complicated, um, it's important to be able to um, see their child not just as an extension of themselves, but that they too might have different feelings around things and how do we help them navigate those without taking it on personally or, you know. Yeah some other type of thing. So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about that and if that sounds like in line with what you think of attachment work. Yeah, it is very much in line, Susan. And I think what you're saying, and I would agree completely, is if we adults are going to help our children organize their feelings, we need to know something about organizing our feelings too. Mm -hmm. And when things get intense, again, whether that's a three-year-old having a tantrum because they want to do it themselves. And yet you've got to get to an appointment, right? So you as a parent are feeling a lot of pressure in that moment. Well, how do you regulate yourself to just recognize their distress, get them through it and get on to your appointment? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a huge question, but you're absolutely right. It starts with the caregiver helping to organize their own feelings so they can help their child. Same thing with a teenager who's acting up or acting out. It's easy to get involved in a struggle 
-hmm. as a caregiver because we care so much and we're so frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But once again, you're saying, hey, wait, let's look at ourselves, get ourselves in a place where we can listen and stay connected with our kid. And that's how we're going to help them get through the moment as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th I think that's great. So um, this, I'm going to take a little break for a second yeah. because sure. I'm going to remind our listeners that the topics discussed on this podcast and the resources shared should always be considered a matter of personal opinion. They do not reflect professional advice. If you or your child is in need of mental health counseling support or psychiatric help, please search out a licensed clinician um, or medical doctor in your area. So Neil, I have a few more questions before you go. Great. Um, and that is a circle of, you've mentioned circle of security. I've mentioned circle of security. Um, tell us a little bit about um, how circle of security got founded sure. and um, what different aspects circle of security um, works with. So if parents or caregivers or um, clinicians who are listening to this um, are interested, they can learn yeah. more. You know, it's really an interesting story about how Circle of Security got founded. And it was a group of three guys um, who were all adult psychotherapists. And they actually came into that work from different backgrounds. One had a divinity background, for example. Another was in psychology. Hmm. But they were good friends. They worked together. And they were always thinking about how people came in for help because of struggles in relationships. Mm -hmm. That just seemed to be the core context of the challenges that folks brought in for therapy for, for help. And so they were always reading up on how do we understand how relationships build, how connections happen, what is, what is the best way to pick that all apart mm -hmm. so we can help our clients? Sure. And as they read about attachment and attachment theory and the research on attachment, they began to think, boy, this is really just central to this question. Um, and in fact, that there are ways we can understand what's happening between individuals from very early on in life mm -hmm. and pick apart these patterns of how we relate to others. Mm -hmm. And they thought, wow, that's really cool and important. Wouldn't it be nice if we could break it down in a simple way so that anybody <laughs> could have a sense of how this attachment thing works? Yeah. Right? And that's really how Circle of Security came to be. They spent a lot of time with attachment researchers and others. And they were funny, these three guys, they they were kind of like the old Columbo. I don't know if your listeners will remember Peter Falk, that show. They just had so many questions and mm. they just went and started asking folks who were in the field. Alan Shore, you mentioned him mm -hmm. among them. He was one of the people they spent <laughs> time with. And just trying to get clearer and clearer about simple ways to help 
folks understand attachment mm-hmm. as it happens. Yeah. And that's what really led to the circle of security. As they continued to work together, they would work with like homeless teenagers in their community. And these kids came from a lot of trauma and had a lot of struggles in life. And what they wanted more than anything was the kind of connection with their kids that they so often didn't have with their own parents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, we have to make this clear. We have to make yeah. this simple. We have to deliver it because these young people desperately want to know yeah. how to do something different than what mm-hmm. they had grown up with. So that's what motivated um, them and me to get into this whole area. Yeah, I, I think it's a real testament to the hard work that they have done that that you can explain it so simply or some of the videos that are online um, yeah. on your website or even the handouts, the graphics, super, super helpful, but super simple so that anyone, no matter where they are on their um, caregiving journey can understand their role and then that what the child is doing so okay. that they can begin to um, attune to the child's needs, right? Sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes as a therapist, one of the things that's super helpful is to help parents see um, see that just clearly yeah. portrayed so that if they're chasing their child or their child's trying to go out, you know, like yeah. <laughs> they can be like, oh, that makes sense. They need a little space. They or, need a little space. Or I, I wasn't there when they came back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. We call it radical simplicity, Susan. Mm. We, we are really devoted to this idea of simplicity. One of the neat um, sayings, because the hands, right? The caregiver as secure base and safe haven, that sounds very fancy. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And we've got it down to 25 words or less as follows. Always be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. Mm-hmm. Whenever possible, follow your child's needs. So you've got those top half needs or those bottom half. Whenever possible, you follow. Mm -hmm. And whenever necessary, you need to take charge. That's it. That, as it turns out, is 25 words. (laughs) And again, for parents, it's like, well, I never had anybody break down what my job is in a way that made sense. Yeah. Now, there's a lot to that. I mean, we could talk for hours. What does it mean to be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind all at the same time? Like, mm-hmm. But when parents who are struggling with a teenager realize that part of the struggle is they get so mad at their kid that they can't stay kind, mm-hmm. and then their kid turns away from them, mm-hmm. well, then they start saying, oh, whoa, you know what? I did something different. I calmed my voice down. I said, I really want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what bigger and stronger and wiser and kind sounds like and feels like. Um, It's really important, you know. Yeah, it's super important. And I know that a number of our listeners probably will want to know um, more about how they can find 
parent training for themselves or caregiver sure. training for themselves yeah. um, or a provider that's trained yeah. in this. Can you share with the my listeners um, where they can find that if you have a resource yes, they we can do. find in their area? Yeah, okay. if you just search Circle of Security in Google, you'll land on the Circle of Security International website. And right at the top of our web page is a little section for parents if you click the down arrow, it says find a facilitator. So there you are. Find somebody in your area mm -hmm. who offers Circle Security Parenting, whether that's individually or more often in groups. We like to have groups of parents go through this material together. Yeah, I okay. imagine it's a great support for yeah. people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of support and also getting various perspectives because you watch video during this program. That's really what you do. And... It's actually video of real parents with their kids. And most of them have gone through circle security. So they also talk about what they learned. So it's really helpful to get a lot of perspectives on what's happening. Um, and that's partly because Susan, look, we all have our cultural stories, our ways of thinking, our ways of understanding. Um, and so again, even with differences in um, understanding things like spoiling, like right? what a topic that is. That's mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and for some yes. parents, like that's a huge concern. And for other parents, it's like, well, I don't think you can spoil a baby. Right. So having discussions where you get a lot of reflection going sure, is what yeah. our model is all about. So parents can find facilitators on our website you mentioned that book, Raising a Secure Child. If if you're a parent who likes to read, if that's one way you mm -hmm. learn new things, then that's a really neat book to check out. Yeah, but, and yeah. I got it on Audible because I I oh, don't have are? I don't have a ton of time to read, but yeah. I do like to like to read and yeah. um and so like when I'm driving my kids to school or picking them up. Um, yeah. And I have a chance to listen to a little bit. I know it's been super encouraging for me as a parent um, mm. to just find um, a refreshed way to look yeah. at, yeah, raising a secure child. It's been challenging, but it's also been really encouraging too. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad yeah. you're enjoying it. And uh, I, I've enjoyed that book too. Look, I'm a dad of three, 17, 15, and 10. So I'm in it as we speak, Susan. And and that's what's got me in this position. When I was working 25, 30 years ago, I worked with um, mostly kids in the child welfare system, and I was mm. studying reactive attachment disorder. I was a researcher yeah. and a professor at the university. And what I really cared about was helping families mm. yeah. and get past disruptions in attachment, get get toward repair like mm -hmm. you were talking about. And so I hungered for a model that was parent friendly. And this, this was one that I found and heck 25 years later, now I'm working for the company. How about that? <laughs> That's cool. amazing. That's right? awesome. It's pretty cool. Awesome. It is. Yeah. Well, Neil, thank you so much for joining me today and for all of your wisdom. And to all of my listeners, thank you also for joining us. 
Um, if you have any questions for us at um, Parent Matters Podcast that you would like answered, please send them to us um, via email at podcast at kidmatterscounseling.com. And if you found this conversation useful, um, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please join me again next time for the Parent Matters podcast. Remember, there are links in the show notes below for that um, circle of security graph. And also, um, if you're interested in finding a circle of security provider, you're welcome to um, search on Google their website, Circle of Security International, um, and find that um tab for parents to find a, um, a facilitator in your area. So thank you. And remember, don't parent alone.